the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The title of the message today is Using the Gifts God Has Given Us. In one of his books, Charles Swindle challenged believers to live with excellence, to go the second mile, to stop making excuses for non-performance, and to turn our faith into deeds that change the world. God expects us to use the talents or gifts he has given us to make a difference in the places where we find ourselves. The Bible is clear that we are created to make a contribution. We were not put on this earth just to be consumers. We were put here to be a contributor. God gave us talents, gifts, and abilities for the purpose of contributing to each other's lives and making this world a better place in which to live. Jesus says that one day we will have to give account of how we lived our lives. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, which was read for us, tells a story of how to prepare for the final exam of life when God evaluates how well we have invested our life. The story is known as the parable of the talents, particularly in the King James Version and the New International Version. In other versions, it's called um, by a different name. But in, in this story, Jesus describes a man who owned a great household or in today's language, you could say a corporation. He often traveled great distances for extended periods of time. During this particular trip, he placed the management responsibility of his company on three individuals who worked for him. The owner knew exactly what each man could handle so he proportioned the management responsibility according to each person's ability. One was given five bags of gold, one was given two bags of gold, and the third was given one bag of gold. I'd like to draw six lessons from this story, of this parable that Jesus uh, told his disciples. First, everything we have belongs to God. God made it all, and God owns it all. It was here before we got here, and it's going to be here after we leave this earth. A lot of times we think we own the things we have, but we don't really own anything. God owns it all. We just get to borrow it for six to seventy, eighty, ninety, or a hundred years, and then we return it. 
We brought nothing into this world when we were born, and we are taking nothing with us when we die. So everything we have, money, possessions, time, health, abilities, is just a loan to us for the time that we are alive. The Bible tells us that God made human beings to manage his resources on, on the earth. We, uh, one book says we are the king of the earth. We have, been, we have been given the responsibility of managing the environment uh, in which we live. And unfortunately, we are having some difficult times. And, but this is not um, the time to go into that. The nice thing about it is while we are managing the resources that God has um, given us, we get to use it. We benefit from it. But we must never forget that we don't own it. It's just on loan while we are alive. Jesus made this clear in, in the parable. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14 reads, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Note the words, his money. is not the servant's money. It's the master's. So when you learn to accept this truth of life, that everything you have belongs to God, then you're going to uh, worry a lot less. Why? Because you don't worry about things that are not yours. So when you get a ding in your car, you worry about it. Do you worry about the ding in your neighbor's car? No. When somebody else is worried that they have put on weight and their clothes don't fit, you don't worry about that. You just worry about your clothes that don't fit. So if you realize that all you have is God's anyway, and he can take it back or replace it, then you worry a whole lot less because you are not trying to hold on to it or to preserve it. But the second lesson is, God has given each of us unique gifts and talents. A bag of gold in the first century was a large amount of money. The master in the story must have been incredibly wealthy, like uh, Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos squared ten times. And the three men in the story certainly had plenty of money to invest for the master. It is noteworthy that each man is given a different amount. Verse 15 says, To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So who determined what each man gets? The master. You see, God is not obligated to to treat me like he treats anybody else. He can give me more or less than others, and he does. I have more and you have more than some and less than others. You may have more money, more opportunity, more strength, better health, and better connections than others, and you may have less of all that 
than others. In the great pecking order of life, there are always people above us, people on our level, and people below us. That reality leaves us with two choices. A, you can gripe about your situation and use it as an excuse for doing nothing. Or B, you can accept it and start where you are and do what you can. The comparison game is useless and unproductive, so we don't need to be comparing uh, one person to another. Who knows why Jane got more and Alice got less? Who knows why one man has cancer and another does not? Who knows why one woman is born in the Caribbean or in Russia or in, or in Israel and another in the United States? Only God knows these things, and he does not tell us why. And every moment spent worrying about that is truly a wasted moment. We are not all equal in terms of talents, gifts, and opportunities. But we all have the same chance to do something with what we have been given. The question is not, what have I been given? But rather, what will I do with what I have been given? We are created equal in value to God and in our worth as human beings. But we are not equal in our talents, gifts, opportunities, and freedoms. Living in America, we have some privileges, some freedoms, and some opportunities that the rest of the world don't have. We didn't ask for it. We, we didn't um, uh, earn it. It is simply a gift of God's grace. Everybody gets something, but our talents, our gifts differ. Some of you are one talented people. Some are five some are 10, some are 20, and um, so on. But everybody gets something. There are no no-talent people. There is no Christian without a gift or gifts from God. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, in, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You see, a talent or a spiritual gift is something that we don't deserve. We can't brag about it because we didn't earn it. We might develop it, but it's simply a gift of God's grace. But the third lesson is God expects us to use the gifts he has given us. He gave them to us for a purpose. He wants us to make the most of the abilities and gifts that he has given us. It is as if God looked at you and looked at me and said, I'm going to make an investment in your life. Every day, we get to choose how we are going to live our lives. But there will come a day in all of our lives when we explain to God the choices that we have made about how we lived our lives. And Jesus reminds us in this story 
uh, in verses 19 through, through 25. He said, After a long time, the master came home and asked the servants what they did with his money. The servant who was given five bags of gold, brought five more bags to the master and said, Master, you trusted me to care for five bags of gold, so I used your five bags to earn five more. Then the servant who had been given two bags of gold uh, came to the master and said, Master, you gave me two bags of gold to care for, so I used your two bags to earn two more. Then the servant who had been given one bag of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. You harvest things you did not plant. You gather crops where you did not sow any seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your money in the ground. Here is your bag of gold. Someday we are going to be audited by God about how we lived our life. If you think you're nervous about an audit with the Internal Revenue Service, how about an audit with God? As pastor, it is my job to get you ready for the final exam of life. When I was a professor at Gordon Conwell Seminary, I gave the students in my church history class 12 examination questions ahead of time from the very first day of class that we met, from which I would choose five or six for the final exam. I knew that if, um, if they prepared all 12, then they understood what the course was all about. But uh, they would have to prepare all, all 12 because they did not know which ones I would put on the examination. Now, some students would try to be smart and gamble on which questions would be on the final exam, depending on my emphasis in the, in the lectures. One time a student turned in an exam booklet with nothing except a sentence. I gambled and I lost. Of course, he got an F. See, God's final exam question is given to us in advance. Once you have settled the question of your relationship with Christ, the final exam question is, what did you do with what you were given? And my responsibility as your pastor is to prepare you to answer that question so that you can stand before God and say, I use my talents, my spiritual gifts, to advance your kingdom, to help others. But number four, it is wrong for us to bury what God has given us. In this story, the first servant doubled his money entrusted to him. The second servant did the same. And the third servant buried the money entrusted to him, saying that I'm, I'm going to play it safe. Just in case I lose it, I don't want to be in trouble, so I'm going to play it safe. And there are a couple of insights here. First, you can't please God by playing it safe. To use your talent, you have to take risks. And to 
take my talent, my abilities, and do nothing with them because I'm afraid to risk them in any way is inexcusable. The second insight is God would rather have you to serve him, make an attempt at least and fail, than to do nothing at all. The master calls his servant wicked because he was afraid to do anything with what he had been given. Some Christians have no joy in their lives. Why? One reason is that they are trying to play it safe by sitting on the sidelines of life, afraid to contribute, living only for themselves, and not doing anything to help other people, to serve others. I believe it is time for some of you watching this service uh, to get involved in a ministry which will take the focus off you and place it on others. But number five, if we don't use our gifts, we will lose them. In verse 25, the master says, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of gold. Now, why is it that sometimes the person who has got one talent or gift all of a sudden doesn't have any? Because they didn't use the one that God gave them. They did not appreciate what God um, gave them. And this is a universal principle. See, God has the right to take away anything in your life and my life that we don't invest for him. God has the right to take away anything in your life and mine that we don't use correctly and for his glory. The principle of use it or lose it is a universal principle. It is true of your muscles. If I don't use my muscles, I lose them, they atrophy, and they don't serve me the way they ought to. That is why doctors want you to get out of bed soon after surgery, so that your blood can start flowing and you don't um, end up having a problem. But if you don't exercise, your muscles get smaller. For example, your money, if you don't invest it, you're going to lose it. You just can't put it under your mattress and, um, and expect that it's going to be there when you need it. Someone might discover that isn't, that's there and rob you of it. Your mind. If you don't use it, you lose it. It will get duller and duller as you get older because your mind is a muscle. You must keep it exercised and growing. So here's a secret. Whatever you need more of, Take the little that you have and start using it in serving other people unselfishly, and God will multiply it. Some of you may say, I don't have time to serve other people. I don't have time to serve in a ministry in the church or in the community that I live. I don't have time to do all the things that I need to do. Why? Because God never meant for you to be selfish and spend all of your time on yourself. Why would God give you more time if you're just going to spend it on you? It is like the principle of tithing. 
the first 10% of all that I make goes back to God. Why? Because when I give 10% to God, God takes the other 90% and makes it stretch further than it would have if I had kept 100% for myself. And that is true of your time. That's true of your talent, your gift. That's true of anything in life. If you don't use it, you lose it. But then finally, if we use our gifts wisely, we will be greatly rewarded. Matthew 25, 20, verse 23 and 29. 23 says, The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then in verse 29 says, To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. These verses give us three rewards that God gives when we use our talents or spiritual gifts in ministry to help others, to serve others, to make a contribution uh, to the world in which we live. One, we get the affirmation of God. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And then two, we get God's promotion. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. And then to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. And three, there is a celebration. Let's celebrate together. You see, that's what's going to happen in heaven. We are going to spend time celebrating God's goodness, his greatness, his mercy, and his grace to us. And that is something to certainly to look forward to. With these rewards awaiting me, there's no way I'm going to allow hardships to hinder me, opposition to discourage me, criticism to stop me, difficulties to frustrate me, and negative circumstances to depress me. I want to hear the well done from my Lord and be a part of the celebration in, in heaven with the other saints. So even if I'm knocked down, I will not stay down. Even if I get exhausted, I will not give up. Even if I become discouraged, I will not stay discouraged. Even if I feel hurt and wounded in spirit, I will not surrender. I knew when I started serving the Lord that there would be times when discouraging situations would come. I knew that there would be times when difficult problems would develop. There would be times when defeat would appear inevitable. There would be times when disappointing circumstances would occur. And there would be times when the challenges of leading a congregation would threaten to rob me of my joy and peace of mind because of difficult people. But after 40 years of serving my God, I'm still determined that come what may, I am going to use the gifts that God has given me to serve him and to serve his people so that I can hear him say, well done, good, my good and faithful servant. 
come what may, sunshine or rain, joy or sorrow, health or sickness, I'm going to serve the Lord until I die and serve him to the best of my ability, every moment, every hour, and every day of my life. And my mind is made up. Amen. Praise the Lord.